something wonderful. I don't know about you and I, 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 I wish that you'll be elevated to the same position that I am. That you can see what God is doing. Oh, we have come to the dwelling place of God. And so this morning we are speaking on dwelling in God's secret place. The place of blessing. Beloved, this one, everybody wants blessing. When we say God bless you, Everybody says, Amen. Because we want blessings. Not just financial blessings, but we want blessings in every aspect of our lives. Most of our times when we say blessings, our mind just goes to the physical blessings or uh, the financial blessings. But you see, every good thing that comes to our lives as Christians are blessings. Peace of mind is blessings. See, the Bible says, a peace, my peace I'll give to you. Not what the world gives but what I give. All these are blessings. The grace of God, the favor of God, the protection of God is blessing. You see, we are looking at Psalm 91, verse 1. The Bible says that he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You see, for us, 
we are always looking for the secret things. You see, when we see anybody who is successful, the first question we ask, what is your secret? When somebody is blessed and somebody is showing God or forth, it doesn't matter if the person is in the world or in Christ, we want to know, you know, what's your secret? You know, what are you doing? What is making you more successful than the, the average person? What is making you, you know, um, um, manifest what you are manifesting? Why is it that you have peace? What is the secret for peace? You see, when you go to our workplaces, when we interact with people, that even the, the problems that we are facing is more than them. But their problems, even though it's small, is crashing them. But our problems is not crashing us. And they want to know, what is your secret? So when we say something is secret, we always want to know. And so today, I want us to know the secret place of God. When we say the secret place, what does that mean? So today, we will talk about the secret place of God. We will talk about those who dwell in that secret place. And then we will talk about what it means to dwell in the secret place. And then we will talk about the outcome of dwelling in the secret place. So the secret place of God, what is it? You see, it is the very presence of God. When we say the secret place of God, it is the presence of God. You know, it is the place of God's glory and power. The place that God manifests his glory, God manifests his power. That is what we call the secret place of God. It is the, dwell, uh, the dwelling place of God throughout history. And so throughout history, God has wanted to dwell with man. And so the Bible says that, you see, God wants to dwell in man and have fellowship with man. And so the Bible says in Genesis 3, 8, that when uh, uh, God created Adam and Eve, he placed them in the garden. And the Bible says that in the cool of the day, God will come and visit them and he will have fellowship with them. You see, the dwelling place of God was among the people in the garden of Eden. But you see, sin was the thing that separated man from God. And so when man sinned, they were separated from God's presence. And so now God is coming and they are running away. And so sin is the, 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 the veil that separates us from this secret place. So everybody wants to go to this secret place. But there's one thing that is blocking our way, and that is sin. But God, throughout the history of the Old Testament and the New Testament, had sought for ways to break that barrier so that he will make his dwelling among us. And so the Bible makes us understand in Exodus 25 verse 8, God instructed Moses to build a tabernacle. And when God told Moses to build a tabernacle, he, wanted, he instructed Moses to make the Ark of the Covenant. You see, the Ark of the Covenant was a representation of God's, bless, uh, of God's presence. And so the Bible says in 1 Samuel, when um, uh, like Eli, Eli's uh, uh, Phinehas, uh, they, they went to battle and they lost. Israel lost the battle and you know, Eli was really wanted to know what was happening. And when they said that the ark of God had gone, uh, one of um, uh, um, uh, Hophenes and Phinehas, one of their uh, wives, was pregnant and gave birth to a child called Ichabod, which says that the glory has departed from Israel. And so which makes us understand that, you see, the ark of God was a representation of God's glory, which is God's presence. And so wherever the ark of God was, the presence of God was there. But you see, God created a tabernacle, the ark, so that his presence will be in the tabernacle, so that he will be among people, so that the Israelites can have access to his presence, to his secret place. But you see, the secret place of God is 
holy. God is holy. And anybody who can approach him must approach him in holiness. But man is sinful. How can a sinful man approach this holy God? And so throughout the Bible, in the Old Testament, there were so many sacrificial purification things. All that they were doing is that so that they would purify them so that they can get access to the presence of God. But ultimately, that wasn't what God desired. God wanted every person to have fellowship with him. And so the Bible says um, in 2 Samuel chapter uh, 7, verse 2, uh, David desired to build a temple. So you see, throughout the history, God's presence was in the tabernacle. But now, David says, I'm a king. I'm living in a palace, in, in a palace built with cedar. How can God dwell in a tabernacle? So he wanted to build a place for God. And he built a temple and placed the ark of God in a temple. And so in a temple, they had the holy place, which is where rituals were done. But they had the secret place, which is called the holiest of all, which is where the ark of God was, which was the presence of God. And the Bible says that every year, the one person, high priest, was the only person who can enter into that presence. And even when he's going, he has to make sacrifice for himself before he makes sacrifice for everybody else because he himself is not holy enough to enter. But with the blood sacrifice, it purifies them and purifies him so that he can enter. But even with that, you see, when they were going, they would tie bells on their tassels. And they will bind a long rope on their legs. Long rope. Because nobody can enter. Because so that in case this priest has perhaps is not holy enough and goes before the presence of God and he dies, nobody can enter and take the body. Because if you enter, you also die. So they will pull the rope and take him out. That was how the presence of God was. So holy because God is a holy God. But how can we enter into this presence? How can we get access? Because you see, that wasn't where God wanted to be ultimately. But you see, the Bible says that he who dwells in the sacred place. So that means that there are some people who are able to dwell in this presence of God. The place that people go once a year, the Bible is saying that there are some people that are able to not only go there once a year and come back, but they're able to dwell there. How is this possible? How can we dwell in this presence of God? You see, it's the presence of God that Moses went, and when he came back, his face was shining. The people couldn't look in his face. And so how can we dwell in God's presence so that our faces will shine? Just like Moses. Because the Bible says that even with Moses, it was a passing glory. But the glory that we have in the New Testament is an everlasting glory. You see, the presence of God is a place of holiness. It is only those who are holy that I can, that I can approach this holy God. And so when you read Hebrews chapter 9, verse 1 to 12, let, let us read that. It's a very beautiful, I really love that. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 1 to 12. It says, Then indeed, even the first covenant had ordinances of divine service and the earthly sanctuary. For the tabernacle was prepared the first part, 
in which was the lampstand, the table, and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. And behind the second veil, the part of the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer and the ark of covenant overlaid on all sides with gold, in which were the golden part that had the manna, Aaron's rod that budded, and tablets of the covenant. And above it were the cherubim of glory overshadowing with the mercy seat. Of these things we cannot now speak in detail. Verse 6. Now, when these things had been thus prepared, the priest always went into the holiest part of the tabernacle performing the services. But into the second part, the high priest went alone once a year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the people's sins committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit indicating this, that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was still standing. It was symbolic for the present time in which both gifts and sacrifices are offered, which cannot make him who performed the service perfect in regard to the conscience. Concerned only with food and drinks, various washings and fleshly ordinances imposed until the time of reformation. Verse 11. But Christ came as a high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands that is not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place one for all, having obtained eternal redemption. So the high priest needed blood to enter, but that blood wasn't able to solve or able to take away sin. It was just a covering. But the Bible says that we have a better high priest who, was, who, who did not enter with the blood of goats, but he entered with his own precious blood. And he has entered once and for all. And so now, we also, through the same blood of Jesus Christ, we can boldly enter into the very presence of God. So the Bible says that he has made us priests. And so just as the priest with the blood is able to enter God's presence, we with the blood of not just gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, it is because of Jesus Christ that we can have access into the holiest of all. And so right now, from wherever you are, you can gain entrance into the very presence of God. And so when we say the secret place of God, it is not some place somewhere. It is not even in this church. But from wherever you are, the Bible says that we are the temple of Christ in whom the Spirit of God dwells. But without holiness, we cannot dwell in this secret place. But the Bible says that if you read the Psalm 91, all the promises and all the blessings that come from it is for those who are dwelling. Not people who enter and come out. You know, you, you go one day, you come out. Then you go another day, then you come out. No. It is for those who are dwelling. So what does it mean to dwell in God's presence? You see, we continue to abide and dwell in the presence by walking in holiness. It is only when we walk in holiness that we can dwell persistently in the presence of God. You see, you can be righteous and not walking in holiness. You see, righteous is a legal state. God has made you righteous when you become a child of God. But if you are not walking in holiness, you are not dwelling in the secret place. That is why many Christians, yes, you are Christians, all right, you are saved, all right, but you are not receiving the blessings of God. You are not receiving the protection of God. Not because God doesn't love you, but you are not abiding in a secret place where the blessings of God is. You see, there are people who have the, the legal and moralistic mindset where they think that walking in holiness is obeying the Ten Commandments. You see, uh, uh, um, keeping virtues and shunning vices. 
But you see, that is just a legal mindset. So some people, when you're talking about something, the first question they ask, is it a sin? That's all they want to do. Is it a sin? Is it a sin? Once you say it's not a sin, it's like, okay, I'm fine. That's the legalistic mindset. You are always wanting to do something that's a sin. No. But you see, people with a, a spiritual mindset, the Bible says that, you see, uh, when we walk in the spirit, we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And so with a spiritual mindset, we are not concerned about this command, this command, this command. No. But the more we walk in the spirit, automatically we are walking in holiness. Because before you realize you are living a holy life. But you've become so conscious. You see, that, that, that was the mindset of the Pharisees. The mindset of the Pharisees. And the Bible says, woe unto them. Woe unto them. Who clean the outside, yet the inside is so filthy. So there are some people, all they want is that, oh, I've not smoked, I've not gone to the club, uh, I've not drank alcohol, uh, I've not slept with anybody, I've not fornicated, I'm not an adultery, so I'm good. No. That is not holiness. No. Holiness is walking with the Holy Spirit. Because there are some things, right, that you might, you see, you might think, you look at it, it's like, no, nah, so long as I'm not doing this, I'm okay. But the Holy Spirit will prompt you and tell you, no, don't walk this way. Don't go this way. Don't do this. You see, and so that's why when Jesus came, he says, it is written that you, when, when you commit adultery, that is when you have sinned. But he says, if you look at the woman lastfully, you have sinned. Because you see, those people, they were so legalistic that, okay, the Bible says that if I sleep with them, okay, so I can last all I want. So long as I'm not sleeping with anybody, I'm okay. And so that is why some people are being uh, stolen and, and they are watching porn all the time. I've not slept with anybody. I'm good. When we check the check marks, you check it. But you are lasting after somebody. That is sinful. And so let us take away and throw away the legalistic mindset and walk in the spirit. Have that spiritual mindset. Well, what does it mean to walk in the spirit? To, to walk in the spirit. You see, the Bible says that can two walk unless they agree. So that means that being in agreement with the spirit. That means that building friendship with the spirit. You see, to walk with somebody in life is to have a friend. You see, you walk with your friends in life. You see, the Bible uses the word walk strategically. It says, the Bible says in Genesis, and Enoch walked with God. See, and so to walk with God is to build fellowship with the spirit. Is to build friendship with the Spirit. Is to, you know, every aspect of your life is by the dictates of the Spirit. So the Bible says that those who are led by the Spirit, they are the true sons of God. Beloved, it is only those who walk in holiness that can continue to dwell in the presence of God. And finally, the outcome of dwelling, blessings. You see, the Bible says that you see, the ultimate blessing, the person who received the ultimate blessing in the Bible is Abraham. So God made a covenant with Abraham that I will bless you. I will make you prosperous. Through you, everybody will be blessed. And God made him a conduit of blessing. You see, the ultimate place of dwelling, uh, of blessing, is when you have become a conduit of blessing. You see, when you are always receiving blessings, you know, that's fine. But the ultimate, the penultimate place of blessings is when you yourself become a blessing to other people. You see, and that is promised in the Abrahamic covenant. But the Bible says that, you see, the Bible says that the covenant was made with Abraham and to his son. He didn't say to his sons. He says, and to his son. If you read Galatians chapter 3, verse 16. That means that, you see, the son that he was talking about wasn't Isaac. 
the covenant, the recipient of the promise of the Abrahamic covenant was not Isaac. But the true recipient, when we read uh, Paul's uh, writing in Galatians 3, is Jesus Christ. He is the true recipient. And so now, you see, that is what the, the Jews did not understand. And so they are like, we are sons of Abraham, and so we, we are re receiving all the blessings of Abraham. But no, 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 no. The Bible says that the true sons of Abraham are the, true, are the sons of faith. And you see, and so now, because we believe in Christ, we are children of Christ. That's why we are children of God. That means that we are partakers of the Abrahamic covenant. As you read in the Bible and you see that Abrahamic covenant, claim it as yours. Because God has given to you because you have become a partaker of that covenant. And so God's blessing comes unto you. But you see, the ultimate gift and the ultimate promise that God gives, if you read Galatians chapter 3, uh, the verse 14 to um, Verse 14 to 16, uh, verse 13, it says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, curse is anyone who hangs on the tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. And so the ultimate promise is the promise of the Spirit. And so that means that, you see, as we, when we believe in Christ, and we are dwelling in his presence, we receive that promise of the Spirit. And that is why the Bible says in Joel, in the last day I'll pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. The only way that you can partake in this promise, and in this promise of the Spirit, is because you are a child of God. Oh, beloved, if there is any blessing that we should cling on, if there is any blessing that we should hold on to, it should be the promise of the Holy Spirit. So, beloved, this, evening, this morning we are going to pray for this penultimate blessing because it is from the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit, that all other blessings proceed. You see, you can seek for some specific blessings and you will miss out on others. And the funny thing is, the truth is that you don't know what even you need. We deceive ourselves all the time. We think we need this, but that's not what we really need. But you see, when you seek after the Holy Spirit, all other blessings are given unto you because he's the one who will lead you into the blessings of God. Oh, beloved, the secret place of God is the presence of God. Those who can dwell in the presence of God are those in, whom the heart of, uh, in whose heart the Spirit of God dwells. We can continue to assess and abide in this Dwelling praise in this presence by walking with the Holy Spirit. And so long as we walk with Christ, Christ will continue to fill us with his Spirit and become conduits of the blessings of God. Oh, beloved, at this point, may you be on your feet. Abide under his anointing. Oh, abide under his control. Abide under his anointing. His under his control. In the hands of Jesus. Jesus.